Before we get started, a quick disclaimer. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Nothing you hear is an offer or a solicitation to buy or sell any investment. And with that, hello and welcome to the Rangely Capital Podcast. I'm Andrew Walker, Portfolio Manager at Rangely. And with me as always, my co-host and Rangely's founder, Chris Demuth. It is Wednesday, February 15th, and today we are having our quarterly 13F podcast. Uh, and at the end of the podcast, we might do some discussion on uh, potential M&A for one of Warren Buffett's holdings, Bill Ackman's big holdings, uh, restaurant brands. Uh, so, Chris, let's dive into the 13F discussion. This is, uh, I think it ends up being one of our most popular podcasts every quarter. Uh, every quarter, institutional money managers, those are money managers who manage a more than 100 million in general. Uh, I think 150 million is the cutoff now. They have to file a, they have to do a filing with the SEC that says, hey, here's every stock that we hold. Uh, the data is a little bit stale. So, you know, everyone just filed yesterday for as of the end of December 31st. But 13Fs are widely watched uh, so that investors can kind of see what the world's biggest and best investors are buying, what positions activists have begun to accumulate. Uh, you know, no one is bigger, better than Warren Buffett. So people are always looking to see what Berkshire Hathaway is filing. And Chris, for the second quarter in a row, uh, Warren Buffett and Berkshire Hathaway have been unusually active. Uh, I know we're going to talk about them at some point. I'll turn it over to you and you can decide, do we want to start talking Warren Buffett? Do we want to start talking other things that caught our eye? Whatever, wherever you want to go. I always feel a little dirty on the topic. It's kind of voyeuristic. You're looking at your neighbor's uh, information. It's kind of like when you uh, look up uh, tax information or you're curious on real estate or something, uh, what other people are up to. But it's useful. You know, if somebody has been hawking some stock, you kind of want to look back and double check that they actually own it. Maybe we're increasing their position and we're just kind of sloughing it off on you over the last quarter. Um, some of them are more useful than others. Uh, Berkshire is particularly useful. It's large. They are essentially long only and they don't have complex trading strategies that allow some to be misleading. There, there are some wonderful investors out there that their 13Fs are just baffling. Yes, they go on forever. And also that they have inventory that they use for other trading purposes too so uh, yeah so like a, a typical example would be a blackrock 13f black blackrock's the largest money manager in the world they run a bunch of index funds uh as well as some actively managed funds but if blackrock files a 13f and it says they own eight percent of a company it means nothing they just have it in their index funds if a quantitative trader files a 13f and says they had something it means nothing they might have sold it all because they're they're always flipping based on what their computer models are selling you really want someone who's got a long-term outlook buying that a big fundamental investor like warren buffett is the type of person who these things mean something for uh, in buffett's case uh, quadrupled apple uh bought it fairly well um, it's run up a lot in the process of their accumulating it uh, and made a big increase in their bet on the airlines. Yeah, so, you know, the Apple one's interesting because last year when they started buying it, uh, you know, we always do these podcasts and someone will say, Warren Buffett or Berkshire buys Apple. And someone will come on and say, it wasn't Warren Buffett. It was one of his lieutenants. It was Ted or Todd. And uh, they've generally been right. But now the Apple stake is so big, I believe it's up to $8 billion, that it's almost a certainty that that is more money than Ted and Todd have been managing. So it's almost a certainty that Warren Buffett himself has decided to start buying Apple stock. In one of the more kind of meta moments here, I attacked my article uh, this morning just to get it out of the way uh, for claiming that Buffett had bought something, saying it might have been Ted or Todd, <laughs> the, the author's an idiot and so forth. And I kind of went on in this dramatic fashion. And then some Somebody came back in, 
I believe, unironically, attacking my attack and defending <laughs> the underlying author. So uh, you can't win. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I think that that uh, is uh, uh, Buffett uh, himself. Um, I think that Apple is a defensible value investment on very traditional uh, value uh, metrics, um, especially last uh, kind of uh, February, uh, March had gotten you know cheap enough that it would uh, make sense for uh, for Buffett to be interested, and then you know less so since then he can hold on to it. Um, I thought that was very interesting, um, and then the other one I thought was. Very interesting is the airlines. Yeah, so the airline bet, uh, look, this represents one of his largest bets in years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's interesting, and I believe we've talked about we talked about this on the last uh, 13F podcast when he had started buying them. But he he didn't just choose one, right? You know, Southwest is the one that probably makes the most sense. It's got a quirky culture. It's kind of run by a Midwesterner. I think it was a Texas person who started it. Quirky culture, low-cost culture, uh, probably sustainable competitive advantage there. Uh, that's the one that makes the most sense. But he didn't just buy that. He went and bought all four airlines, uh, United, American, Delta, Southwest. He bought two and two to $2.5 billion of each of them. So it's this big bet on the airline industry in general. Uh, and, it, you know, we mentioned it before, but it's kind of surprising because he's famously quipped that he is an airaholic and that if a capitalist had been president at, had been present at uh, Kitty Hawk, they would have shot down the Wright brothers to spare investors the decades of losses from investing in the airline industry. So clearly he sees something has changed there. And I'll let you talk about what he, he kind of sees has changed. You know, uh, everybody can get deeply ingrained habits, but and I make it flack for saying this, especially old people. As you get older, mm-hmm. you just get more like yourself. Buffett specifically said, as you get richer, you get more like yourself. And so picking one of the oldest kind of famous working and wealthiest people, you'd think he'd be so ingrained in his habits, but Buffett is brilliant, just A-plus at throwing away habits, looking at things with fresh eyes. And what did he see? I mean, I think that I would uh, strongly recommend this Doug Parker presentation in March that apparently really caught Buffett's eye. And you look through it, and there are a couple of things that's kind of fun looking at from his perspective. Let me just back. So sure. Doug Parker is the American Airlines CEO. Yes. Uh, in March 2016, he gave a presentation at, I think it was a J.P. Morgan yes. conference, that Ted Weschler, who's one of Warren Buffett's two stock pickers, uh, Ted Weschler had a deep history with him, mm-hmm. saw the presentation. Uh, Parker said, hey, now's the time to take a leap of faith yeah. for the airline industry. Weschler kind of got interested, told Warren Buffett about it. Warren Buffett got interested, and that's kind of t- credited as the inflection point for changing the Berkshire's thinking as uh, a whole uh, on the industry. I typically think the cliche of taking leaps of faith is just cringe-inducing. In this case, he really showed an industry with very similar – uh, stats demographically earning money for the first time having price and competition rationalization which you want to say just to the level that the antitrust people don't listen but that the investors do for the first time and labor issues dealt with for the first time in like a hundred well not a hundred years in a very very long time decades and decades and decades a different world convincingly so investable and possibly a value investment. Well, look, 10 years ago, uh, Warren Buffett came out and said, look, I've, the railroads have been awful businesses for 100-plus years. And he started buying railroads because he said, hey, they've consolidated down to the point there were only seven or eight of them. Mm-hmm. They've consolidated down to the point where it makes economic sense and these things are going to be profitable going forward. So he, he changed his thinking, and we've mentioned it before. In a lot of ways, it seems like the airline investment might mirror 
the railroad investment of 10 years ago. And if he's right, look, the, the railroads have done fantastically. If he's right, the airlines are going to do fantastically. Absolutely. Um, can I switch to yeah, Monsanto? Yeah. Um, I was listening to a short little blurb on uh, Bloomberg, and not to be disparaging about a journalist, he goes, Warren Buffett is an arm. That's funny, and kind of scoffs at this, despite the fact that Warren Buffett has a multi-decade brilliant history, especially during the Buffett partnership era, doing ARB uh, in a time when it was an extremely attractive thing to do, uh, but that he can pick and choose his spots, and he or one of his lieutenants, uh, I'll get out in front and say that, uh, somebody at Berkshire has a new big position in Bayer, Target, Monsanto. Yeah, so this is an $800 million stake, so in all likelihood, you're probably right, it is a Todd or Ted investment. Uh, but it is interesting because I can't remember Berkshire doing a merger ARB type position in the past decade or so. I obviously could be wrong, and I'm sure someone will let us know if we are, but I can't remember it. So it's just interesting that they've stepped their foot into this position. And I wonder, you know, are they doing it because I think right now the market's got like less than a 50% chance of this deal going through? Do they just think the market's off and this is extremely likely to go through? You know, they think it's 90, the market thinks it's 40, so they're betting that. Or do they think, hey, Monsanto is a great business. Uh, Agricultural cycle has been poor, but it's kind of the bottom of the agricultural cycle. So maybe the market has the likelihood of this going right, but I'd actually like to own the stock at this level as a standalone business. I I don't know the answer. I don't know. I have a guess it is the latter, not the former, simply because if you don't have any diversification within that strategy, it's always going to be a probabilistic type bet. It would be very funny to have one just dangling out there on a very specific bet that it happens to work. Now, as a specific bet that it happens to work, I think that bet actually happens to be strong and strengthening. Um, If if you look at the process in the U, Bayer's taken a very uh, careful look. One thing I always look at is uh, before you formally file, you want it. It's kind of like proposing marriage. You you want to know the answer before you technically ask. And so if you kind of go through and uh, deal with everything first, as they have, very likely to get through there. Uh, And then also uh, they've been buttering up Trump. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that's a great point. Let's just quickly turn to other things. Uh, In terms of sales, Warren Buffett, he's basically out of Walmart at this point. He's gone from 60 million shares in 2014 to just 2 million at the end of last year. He'll probably be out of that soon. Uh, He sold out of Kinder Morgan, a couple others, but I just thought those were interesting. Kinder Morgan, he bought it in late 2015, early 2016 when oil prices were way low. Kinder Morgan was at 15, now it's at 22 and he's out, so great trade on his part. I don't know if you want to comment on that. I just wanted to say that I think that he must look at a very bleak pricing environment for Walmart. Yeah. That's just... Just if Walmart can't get their prices low enough and Buffett's time horizon isn't long enough, it's a bad sign for retail. Yeah, and look, we've compared Walmart to Sears in the late 80s, early 90s, with Amazon being the Walmart of the yeah. late 80s, early 90s, several times. And it seems like Buffett might be thinking something like that. Uh, quickly, other 13F stuff before we turn to restaurant brands. Uh, I thought Trion buying uh, Procter & Gamble, mm-hmm. or uh, sorry, not uh, P&G. I I thought that was interesting. Uh, You know, as of December 31st, they had a $560 million position in them. CNBC reported last night they built it up to about $3.5 billion. And, uh, you know, everybody's wondering what are they going to do? Are they going to push them to break up? Are they going to push P&G to go buy someone? Uh, I don't know, but I think it's interesting because in this case, Trian bought 
about one to two percent of the company, mm-hmm. and that's generally a very small stake for an activist. But the stock was up two to three percent today, so clearly investors are saying, "Hey, they're going to be able to get management to do something." It really shows the power of activists today, where they can buy that small of a co- of a giant company and look to leverage their reputation and other investors to push a company to change. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you want to talk about anything else or turn to restaurant brands. Uh, restaurant brands. Okay, so let's go to restaurant brands. So restaurant brands, uh, the owner of Burger King and Tim Hortons, uh, it's run by 3G. It counts Bill Ackman and Warren Buffett among their shareholders. Uh, it, it's actually Bill Ackman's largest position mm-hmm. by far. He owns 18% of the company, and it represents about one-third of his portfolio. So a massive bet by Bill Ackman here. Uh, on Monday, Reuters broke the story that they had approached Popeyes about a potential merger, but then the New York Post quickly followed that story up saying, hey, the approach happened in November. That was before Popeye stock kind of ran up thanks to really nice earnings and the Trump bump. And they've kind of broken off talks over a price at this point. But everyone's wondering now, who is Restaurant Brands going to go shopping for? Uh, I'll turn it over to you to kind of talk about what you think. You know, it's interesting. Uh, Sometimes these market checks are useful in price discovery. There are certain investment bankers and certain journalists that have very close relationships and really use it as part of their process. But uh, in this time, it seemed like it kind of interfered. It can be a problem uh, because you can raise expectations amongst targets when uh, prices start to take Uh, into account potential acquisitions acquisition premiums uh, can get in the way of the acquisitions themselves they don't see they seem to take it very personally you know maybe i am worth the amount that my stock just raced up to no you do hear one one issue is investors expect a premium when a a deal's announced but if all investors know a company's likely to get sold they build that premium in and then if they build in too much of a premium or something, it actually can be a hindrance to getting a deal done. So you have this weird thing where a company should be acquired, but no one can pay the acquisition price for them. So I think you're 100% right. Not sure if that applies here or not, because obviously earnings were strong, so it might be different. But I think you're 100% right there. But um, you, So you have the Popeye's possibility. You have Bojangles. As, uh, uh, I used to live in North Carolina, where Bojangles is really big uh, as an alternative. And then you also have the alternative of they're going really, really big. Yeah, so I, I think, uh, look, they said right now restaurant brands owns uh, Burger King mm-hmm. and they own Tim Hortons. So they've got donuts and they've got burgers. And it sounds like what they really want to do is they want to buy an American-focused brand that is in chicken or something else that they're not currently in. And they want to look to be able to kind of improve operations there as well as roll it out internationally. Uh, you know, Popeye's obviously fits that to a T. It's got a good brand. Uh, I think it's decently managed, but they can roll that out internationally. It's chicken. I think uh, Bojangles is a great one. One that I was kind of thinking of, which I'm not sure if it would fit the 3G ethos, but Chick-fil-A, right? Mm-hmm. Chick-fil-A is huge, but that is chicken. It has a fantastic brand. It's family-owned and run, so you would think there would be cost savings there, though cost savings 3G style might not really fit with the Chick-fil-A brand. The other one a lot of people have thought about is uh, Chipotle is a Mexican brand in turnaround, needs, might need a management upgrade. It's another big Bill Ackman uh, position. Hasn't really gone international yet. That kind of fits all of the uh, all of the things we're talking about there. Though that would be a very big acquisition. They can do big. I mean, they can do big. Uh, Buffett trusts the three G guys. He can put another financing. Um, I think that, that might make sense. I think the Chick Fil A might, but then there's the political and religious issues mm-hmm. surrounding the family. I think that they would want a lot of comfort, and it doesn't happen to be political and religious views that align up with Buffett. I, maybe everybody already knew this, but until 
the uh, recent um, uh, documentary about that. I never heard him describe himself as agnostic before, but he said he's very much ag an agnostic, uh, and that uh, and he was kind of comfortable talking about that. But that doesn't line up that well with the Chick Fil A people. My yep. guess is that such an ingrained part of their culture that that's not something that they would want to switch. I, I think you're 100 percent right. Uh, but yeah, Bojangles, Popeyes. I, I can't really think of any others off the top of my head, but. You know, this is 3G. They've done a really nice job with restaurant brands, and they are clearly ready for the next acquisition. So I am sure they're turning over every stone they can find. Uh, anything else? I have nothing to add. All right. That's all the time we have for today. Before we hit our disclosures, just a quick reminder if you like this podcast, please be sure to follow and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or Audio Boom. We read everyone, and it means a lot to us. Chris, I don't know if you saw this, but Edith Ramirez from the FTC apparently reviewed us on uh, iTunes, uh, I think, two weeks ago. Really? Yeah, they put a she put a very long thing talking about Herbalife on the thing, so I'm pretty sure it wasn't her. You know, 99% chance it wasn't her. But Edith Ramirez, if you're listening, we appreciate it. We appreciate it. <laughs> um, I would like to – we disclaimed at the beginning. We yes. disclosed at the end. I will disclose I am long like Buffett, Monsanto. I did not give him the idea, though. Okay. <laughs> he came up with it on his own. Uh, no disclosures for me, and we will talk to you guys next week.